Hello, everyone, and thank you for another or tuning into another episode of the Extra Rounds podcast. We're well into the 30s when it comes to number of episodes. I lost track, which is a good thing. Um, every Wednesday, we come to you live on the Sports Illustrated MMA Facebook page uh, on video, and then we upload the podcast afterwards to iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, all the podcasting apps. Um, but thank you once again to tune in uh, for tuning in. We're we're kind of dubbing this our St. Patrick's Day episode since, uh, well, Chicago had their parade on the 11th, and, and unfortunately, as Dallas Cowboys fans knows, uh, so did Dallas. Yeah. And uh, so I'm wearing my my Chicago themed like it, man. Uh, St. Patrick's Day shirt, even though St. Patrick's Day is until Friday. So for those of you who don't get it, it's the Chicago flag. Um, so, anyways, uh, we wanted to do some segments discussing Conor McGregor. Uh, before we welcome on our guest, this week we have Dave Doyle, who writes for a number of outlets, Yahoo Sports, um, MMA Fighting, yep, right? yep. Uh, calling in to talk about all things UFC uh, and MMA. Uh, but before then, since it's the holiday of the Irish, we thought we would focus on Conor McGregor. Uh, first, we would touch on the news. Then we would kind of do a segment talking, down, talking about some of Conor McGregor's career. Uh, so first things first, Flow Combat has a report that... Uh, there is a date held for the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. I think it was the T-Mobile. Mm. And uh, that date's June 10th for a Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor um, fight. I saw that. And we saw Floyd in a video recently saying, um, inviting Conor McGregor to sign the papers that he was coming out of retirement for a fight with Conor McGregor, and he wanted it to happen in June. So that matches up yeah. in that regard. What What is your thoughts when you see this action? this this news because we we went from a place where i mean this has been going on for well over a year mm. uh this conor mcgregor floyd mayweather discussion maybe even longer mm. and it seems like every time all the time we're like you know we're downplaying it this is never gonna happen this is never gonna happen but it just doesn't go away yeah. and if anything it slowly seems to build up steam and little pieces of information or little things happen war of words in the public sphere uh keep happening that kind of signal that this might actually happen. So where do you stand on this right now? Well, I mean, I think it's entirely possible that, a, that, the, um, that the report is correct, that a, a date is being saved at T-Mobile. That doesn't mean that there's, any, there's much of any like, actual business plans or coordination going on. Um, there could be. I mean, I, I think I don't like it as a fight. I don't see why two guys from different combat sports would, would meet in a more limited set of rules. I think that's kind of silly. I think Floyd will dominate Conor McGregor in boxing until he's approximately 85. Uh, and even then, you know, Conor won't be that, won't be that young either. Um, I like it as Conor McGregor showing some independence and flexing his muscle and saying, hey, I thought I was an independent contractor at UFC. What, what does this have to do with you? Why can't I do it? And I like it anytime athletes can make a lot of money. Um, do I think it's going to happen or not? I think I, if I had to guess, we're still a very long way away from uh, it actually being a reality. These two men fighting in in a in a boxing match. Uh, I don't I don't think there's I don't think that it's impossible uh, that it would happen. Um, but uh, I I think there's a lot of hurdles or a lot of waiting to be had before it could happen. When I say waiting, I mean kind of McGregor basically getting a legal battle with the UFC. Um, other hurdles would be just finding a way to bring the UFC in as a, as a, as a co-promoter. So you, you're still on this. You think there's still too many hurdles for this to actually happen? Well, I think it could happen. I think I bet we're not that close to it, though. <laughs> so what do you make of the reserve date then? Yeah, I think like, do you think smart. that's Do you think that's actually the case, or do you think that 
I mean, there could be a date reserved, but there's uh, a chance it's reserved for something else. No, I think it could be reserved, for, uh, you know, for that. I mean, it wouldn't take much if either Floyd Mayweather or Conor McGregor called T-Mobile and said, "Hey, reserve this for us." They'd probably do it, even if there was nothing else there but a phone call, because both of those guys who bring good business to the arena the arena is all about hell this news even is just good for the arena because it's people talking about t-mobile arena even if it never materializes so i think it's possible that it could be saved uh for that hell they could have done it on, on their own with floyd saying he's looking at june t-mobile could have said on their own independently hey let's reserve this date in case they can make that happen so i think it's i i wouldn't doubt that the report is is correct it's uh the other thing i think too that shouldn't be undervalued is that June 10th isn't that far away. And if no. the venue has the date open, chances of being filled, I think, between now and then would be <laughs> next yeah. to none. You know, it's concert tours or whatnot, like all that stuff would be booked out because yeah. this obviously takes a lot of money and um, yeah. to book this event. But also to um, for planning, you know, if you're, if you're in a venture with that much money, that it would be... So, I mean, who knows That's a very good point. what could be made of this report? You know, for all we know, uh, Floyd just has knows he's putting on a, you know, money... <laughs> team uh promotional boxing yeah. match that that night anyways That's a good um, point. the other thing that you know the hurdle that i think continues to be an issue um aside from the contracts and all you know the the sports differences thing is who puts on this event mm-hmm. and who you know the the business side of it is right. this a ufc event is this a boxing event Dana White on Fox Sports said he wants it to be a UFC event and said he would stack the card to make sure that fans got their money's worth, unlike Mayweather Pacquiao, a little slight there, um, and that he would stack it. But then to do that, if this is going to be a boxing match, are they going to box in a cage? Doubtful. The the octagon is much bigger than a boxing ring. Sure. And um, so then do you have like a tiny... a Bellator Dynamite kind of setup, <laughs> right? Where it's right. like the cage and then a boxing match, and then the boxing match, the ring's just there for the one. It's just there's so many logistical hurdles. You know, could like, could yeah. you imagine? Because uh, it's like the UFC would be gifting Conor McGregor for a money team boxing event, right? And losing not all the all the their share is if they were like if they were putting on the event. Because aside from just pay per view buys, tickets. There's merch sales sure. that go involved, and also, you know. Well, yeah, and I think that's the. I think I, I think the those hurdles would be the the biggest ones. Not even the logistics of the of the arena, which are, is really interesting. You brought that up a couple weeks ago, and I hadn't even thought about that. Uh, but you know, Conor McGregor is supposedly an independent contractor from the UFC, so I'm not sure what that has to do with boxing. He would have to sign this fight, likely an injunction attempt from the UFC, win that, get it done. Um, it's possible, like, you know, Rampage Jackson fought for the UFC while Bellator was fighting that and saying it wasn't legally possible. They won a temporary battle. He allowed, he was allowed to fight, but then he basically had to go back to Bellator. So it could still happen, but Conor McGregor, if he hasn't already, needs to certainly decide if he's going to fight this legally or not, or if he's going to try to convince the UFC to, to co-promote. Um, I, I don't see how the UFC um, ultimately could win that legal battle with an independent contractor saying we have the rights to you to do any other profession you want. I don't, but that would take a lot of time, a lot of money in Conor McGregor's uh, part. So yeah, I think there's a lot of obstacles and running short on time for June, at least. I think you raise a really, really good point there. I'm personally hoping that it doesn't happen June 10th because Mm -hmm. I will be on vacation Ah. that weekend and that would really, really (laughs) bum me out. But the other thing is like June 10th isn't that far away. That's a quick turnaround. Yeah. You know, 
Conor McGregor's been training. I'm, I'm assuming Floyd's been training. I don't follow the boxing as closely as I do MMA, but I'm assuming he's been training in the meantime. You, I know Conor has. Uh, we see the pictures and the social media updates all the time. But still, June 10th, it just seems like that's a, that's very little runway to even promote and put on an event. So what's yeah. why do, what benefit does Floyd Mayweather have to come out and put a date on it like that? Well, I think Floyd Mayweather is the B-side of this. Conor McGregor is more popular and sells more pay-per-views at this point in their career. So I think it, it, it keeps his name Great in there. slight. Well, I mean, it's just true. I think, I think Floyd is, you know, I, I don't even mean it as a slight. It's just the reality. I, it just is. We just let's look at their last pay-per-views. Um, Flo- Conor McGregor is a bigger star uh, right now, to say nothing of the international appeal that he brings, you know, and, and those buys. So he just is. Um, uh, and he's also like a not retired fighter. Like he, just, he, it's good for Floyd Mayweather to be talked about as he's retired in the same breath as the newest, hottest fighter out there who, who's exceptionally popular. Like Floyd does all sorts of less sensible things. There's less sensical <laughs> things to keep his name out there. Putting like betting fighting slips with Ti. Yeah, all sorts. Exactly right. So we, we, it, to the extent, you know, assuming some of that was was uh was not real yeah i think he just does whatever he can to get his, his name out there it's not like floyd mayweather is concerned with like looking good to get his name in the news uh, <laughs> but no i think the re- he keeps saying he's he's the a side and that and that's that's fine but he just doesn't sell as many pay-per-views at this point in his career as conor mcgregor does so i don't i don't know where he gets that from and before we move on still no interest in seeing it well i mean if it happened i'd watch it it's not a compelling like matchup to me in boxing, uh, because I don't think it'll be competitive. It wouldn't be competitive in MMA, but style clashes in MMA is always compelling to me because it shows us what happens in a more realistic fight, and I think that's always the purpose of MMA, and, and it's always interesting to me. So, no, I'm not, like, clamoring for it, but for Conor McGregor showing independence and making real inroads and showing and blazing a new path for fighters to show that they actually have autonomy. So I want to see it for business of, of, of fighting reasons and, and fighter you right wanna, reasons, not because of the fight. You want to see it for the impact it would have on UFC exactly. fighter exactly. relations. Exactly. Yeah, fighter rights and stuff. The fight itself would, would be awful. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move on. Uh, we wanted to talk all things Conor McGregor uh, yeah, since man. it's St. Patrick's Day. Um, we want him to stand in for all of Ireland. <laughs> so we thought we would just kind of do mini mini countdowns. Uh, so the yeah. the first one, and these were your ideas, so I will give you credit for coming <laughs> up with these lists. The first one you came up with is your top three favorite Conor McGregor moments. Yeah. So you want to run down your list first? Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, it could be anything. It could be a fight. It could be, you know... A moment he locked eyes with you across the hall. It could be anything. It could be anything, <laughs> you, be anything you want. My, uh, I just pictured the emoji with the heart yeah. eyes, like popping up. <laughs> That's right. Could be whatever you'd like. Uh, mine, uh, two of mine are fights, and um, and the third is, has a lot to do with what we we're just talking about. Number one, uh, in Boston, uh, after he beat Dennis Seaver, I have nothing against Dennis Seaver, but that was an interesting moment. That was an interesting week all week long it was it was out there um it was winter in boston it was very cold it, you had a bunch of fans before conor mcgregor became champion before he was headlining pay-per-views waiting outside of the hotel like it was a very interesting dedication to conor mcgregor as a budding star 
afterwards, uh, it was a huge explosion in the garden or what, whatever they're calling it now uh, in Boston. Um, he, you know, jumped out of the ring and pretended like he wanted to fight Jose Aldo, but it was an emotional one nonetheless. It's what set up that uh, that uh, that title fight eventually. You know, it's what set him up to, to fight for some type of title. And it was a really cool moment for an Irish dude in a, in a strongly Irish and American city to, to have his biggest win of his career. That was really interesting. That was number one for me, Mike. Uh, number two... Also related to a fight in Las Vegas after beating Chad Mendes, who they fought each other in short notice when, when Jose Aldo had to pull out um, in that of that scheduled summer fight. They ended up fighting what the following December. Um, that was I remember with my talking with one of my boss, my editors at the time, uh, Evan Rodner, who was who was out there as well, and it was almost like too perfect to happen. We were both like, yeah, Conor McGregor's, you know train is gonna slow down here a little bit chad mendes is a bad skill matchup for him to fight someone like that on short notice to 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 do it after coming from behind in the fight like it was just going to be two picture perfect storybook style for conor mcgregor to win and win the way he did of course he did do it uh that was that was a pretty incredible moment as well he was clearly overcome by emotion at the time and like him, hate him, be indifferent. That's an that's a compelling moment in someone's life culminating in, in such a way, all their efforts. So that was really cool. Uh, the third uh, is the moment that I it seems in some way he's having right now, which is saying it's been a, it's been a, a gradual thing with saying, hey, UFC, as opposed to being the sycophant that he really was with Lorenzo Fertitta and Dana White when he first started, saying they're my friends, I'll do what they want, we make money together, all this nauseating nonsense he's really bristled and pushed back against some of their demands and asked for more rights over his own life his own career his own image his own schedule things of that nature um, and really pushing back to the we'll see how much uh, he does and how far he takes it uh, but I like I like that I like uh, anytime an athlete in a historically um, ab- like abusive fight sport or fight business um, or business I should say or sport or business pushes back tries to get something for themselves um i like that um for them and for what's possibilities for all athletes very interesting list thanks man i'm there's so it, it, three is hard to boil down to for sure uh so i will do my best you you went one two three or three two one <sighs> let's say i went three two one three two one <laughs> okay uh three for me 50 G's baby. <laughs> yeah. That's uh that really kind of launched his um career. It became a moment in like mythology later or the mythology of Conor McGregor, but it also helped build him as this like lovable guy who's just having fun chasing his dreams. Mm-hmm. Uh that was the Stockholm card if I'm remembering correctly. I think so after he won which was for his that debut. Yeah. yeah, and then at the post fight press conference, like this can all be kind of I guess lumped together. Um he has the the comment where he's talking about how he was on social welfare yeah. and he goes into the office and he's telling him, I don't, uh, you know, I got signed by the UFC. I don't know what's going to happen. And he's like, and now I'm going to have to tell him to off. Yeah, that's right. You know, so like that, that built, that's what made Conor McGregor so popular was mm. this, like just the, the common guy having fun and just being so open and that's great. That's true. Unrehearsed, you know, now he's not the same, yeah. but like if he was the, if, he was the guy he is now when he started. I don't know that Conor McGregor is as big of a deal as he is. I think you're totally right. I think that's so, a great point. He's not the underdog anymore. Right. He was like this this the everyman. Yeah. Uh with all the odds against him, chasing a dream, just being fun, having fun with his guys, you know, really accessible. 
And uh, that's what endeared him. So mm-hmm. that's a pivotal moment because that's kind of what launched him on this trajectory. Um, moment number two, I'm having a moment where I've changed. I'm kind of changing my <laughs> mind. Um, I w- I'm going to go with when he grabbed the belt off in front of Jose Aldo uh, on the UFC 189 tour. Mm-hmm. That's kind of uh, – he was a big deal then because mm-hmm. it was right after the Dennis Siever, Siever fight mm-hmm. with uh, – and Boston, when he jumped out with Jose Aldo, sure. I was leaning kind of towards considering the Boston because, yeah. you know, but he's fought in Boston twice. Like Max Holloway, I think, was I the think Boston it, fight. I think it was, yeah. And that was the first time he had a blackout entrance. And I think he did the dropkick Murphy's, not the notorious mm-hmm. BG. Anyways, um, but that moment, I think, really just like became a viral moment that mm-hmm. helped, you know, catapult him. Yeah. And the, I mean, I just, I, like it's one of those memories. Like I remember being in the office and where I was and like sitting, seeing it happen, watching it live on the stream. Cause obviously I wasn't in Dublin and you know, calling people over from the office to like <laughs> around the office to look at it. And it just really like, they, it seemed like months earlier. I was before the Seaver fight, I was trying to explain to them how Conor McGregor is like going to be a huge star. And like that happened. And I was like, see uh, this, this guy's going to be big. That's cool. Um, that's cool. So I'm going to go with that moment. And then number one for me is beating Chad Mendes at UFC 189. Uh, overcome with emotion, first Irishman to do it, the tears, the, um, you know, he was so genuine and grateful in his uh, post-fight interview. Yeah, right. Um, he was, you know, the the smile on his face in the, po- press, uh, the post-conference, post-fight press conference is something that will always stand out to me and, you know, good friend of the show, Robin Black, that asks the first question. And I think, or was that maybe that I'm confusing with the Aldo fight? Maybe I'm confusing that with the Aldo mm-hmm. fight. But anyways, um, I just remember, you know, that moment and how much it meant to him. And like, you could, you could genuinely see like how much it meant to him to have a dream like that realized. Um, I was tempted to go with UFC 205. So mm-hmm. that's, that's the end of my list. Mm-hmm. But I was tempted to go with like UFC 205 history, but it's like, I don't know. The post-fight interview was just, the heel turn, you know. Oh, I loved it. That was I mean, part I, of my don't number get me wrong. one. <laughs> I loved like it. It's the UFC. Like I loved it. Yeah. As and I'm I'm a wrestling fan. I liked it. It was entertaining, yeah. but I just was like, man, I just don't know that that's even though there's the history. There's just like if you pick that or 189, like mm. I would rather have 189. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, it was a happy moment. Yeah. Uh, I think I think that 205 is a a really seismic moment, and it probably ties into like my his moment now of having you know trying to be independent and pushing back against the ufc it wasn't a happy moment it's antagonistic right he can't even he's so he's so angry he's got so much resentment that even in celebration he's got to be pretty pissed off so before we get into the rest of our conor mcgregor list we've invited people who are watching on the facebook live to comment and uh send in questions so we'll discuss before uh dave comes on and as we're going through our list so we have one we have a couple questions, but the first one we're going to get to is from Jeffrey Long. He says, after Khabib's weight cut issue, is there any news on plans to deal with extreme weight cuts? And actually, there is mm. some news that's coming out. I don't know if uh, I just saw a headline, so I didn't read it. So I'm probably not the best to describe what the news is. Sure. Did you, you know, yeah, a little I've bit more about that? a little that? bit. I mean, California has tried to do some, some stuff. I mean, I have to dig. I haven't talked to anyone in the California commission yet. I got to, um, to get a better sense of it, but... I read read parts of of uh, some stuff. I know there's talk of of fining fighters, which I, I think is really wrongheaded and doesn't deal with it comprehensively. 
Uh, but they also have some better ideas about somehow trying to work to mo- better monitor um, fighters' weight leading up to fights, licensing fighters at particular weights, <clears throat> excuse me, so you're licensed to fight at a certain weight, in which point, you know, in order to get licensed at weight, they're kind of insinuating you'll have to will have to determine the fitness of that. All that sounds fine in theory, and I, and I like the spirit of that, other than the finding of the athletes. I think that's silly, um, and I could talk about that some other time if you if you guys want, but why I feel that way. But uh, athletic commissions are notoriously underfunded, uh, and like they even said in their plans, they want to work with other organizations like USADA and, and VADA, and I think there's a lot of that's, that's fraught with difficulty as well. USADA works for whomever they supposedly regulate. They're not a real regulator. They're they do testing for the UFC and for other um, organizations and people and stuff. They're just for hire. There's there's real conflicts of interest there. Uh, so I think I think athletic commissions are strapped for resources. I don't think they they may not be effectively able to do the types of stuff they want um, to do. Uh, I think California is at least very proactive and out of the box thinking. Andy Foster over there seems to try to do a lot of interesting things. So I'm I'm glad they're trying to do that. But I think it's going to take more than regulation of fighters and monitoring of fighters. The reality is there's other structural components like promotions calling fighters on short notice, having them fight again often, doing things like the ultimate fighter where you have to cut weight like several times, all while athletic commissions are like, yeah, that seems like a good idea. Let's cut 30 pounds four times in two months. Like it, it, there More needs to be done because the fighters face a lot of pressure from the promoter tacitly um, to do this type of thing. And they face pressure from one another as well because they feel they don't want to be the smallest guy. So I like, I like some of the efforts. That is some of the stuff, Jeff, that, that, that is being done. Um, we don't have a lot of clarity on what exactly happened with Khabib. There's been rumors floating in the Internet that he's got some type of disorder with his, with his liver. I don't know. I'm sure weight cutting exacerbated. It, it's probably not a, an accident that he had difficulty at that time. But he's not like a, a person that's had a lot of trouble um, like actually making weight. Maybe he had trouble doing it, but he makes weight, you know. So... Um, yeah, it's it's a it's it's something that we're, that's worth talking about, but it's gonna take it's gonna take complete um, cultural shifts in, in in the way things are done for weight cutting to be, and and it's gonna have to transcend into other sports. It's gonna have to start at wrestling with five year olds because they're, they're cutting weight a lot of these athletes since they were young kids. Now the suspension is just if you miss weight, right? Yeah, if you miss it and so, finding and stuff like that. I don't think that punishments is a way to change what they're doing. I don't need. There's that. already like look at. Habib's situation, he lost the fight and that whole paycheck. You know exactly. what I mean? And it didn't deter him any. Yeah. So how is a fine and a suspension going to deter anybody? I agree with you. You know, there's the, the risk the same the risk is still there. You're not doing anything to eliminate the risk. Yes. That's know? real well put. That's why I feel um, like it. I mean they're already getting fined twenty percent. So like upping the fine doesn't change anything. Yeah. Um other than probably just making it more frustrated when it does happen. The thing is like you need to it needs to be more proactive like the things to fix it need to be more proactive mm. you, we need i think more weight classes i think yeah that's a great point 165 175 185 i'm a big fan of like clearing up that to begin mm. with i understand that once you get heavier the pool gets um harder to fill mm. so i'm not necessarily advocating for a 195 right now but i think the first thing is doing the 165 175 because you see a lot of the weight miss the weight cutting issues is around those the welterweight and lightweight weight classes. Great point. Um, <clears throat> Habib obviously a lightweight. Uh, Johnny Hendricks welterweight. Gastelum was supposed to fight at welterweight at two hundred five and miss weight yeah. when he was supposed to fight Cerrone. Um, you know one seventy five. That's five pounds is huge. Yeah. So that's that's an issue. The other thing I think is 
and this just came to me, <laughs> medical suspensions. Mm. They issue them if there's an injury or anything. Do, do it afterwards. I think if you, if you fight and you weigh in at a certain amount after the fight, you know, when they're doing their checkout or whatever, um, maybe they need to do it before as opposed mm. to after. But, uh, or you, both. Or both. You weigh in uh, fight night. And what's the difference between what you weighed in at, what your fight weight is? And Very then from there, you could issue some kind of medical suspension. Very interesting. So like if it's someone like Chris Cyborg who's w- w- being forced to fight at 140 and then she's weighs at 170 the next day, I mean, that's a huge percentage of your body weight. Yeah. They could issue some kind of um, medical suspension to prevent them from putting themselves through it again. And that's not a punishment like a suspension would be for them missing weight, yeah. that's something put in place to protect their health. So it's yeah. like if I know that I weigh, that I'm cutting this much weight, you know, the rumors Johnny Hendricks cutting 40 pounds mm-hmm. or something at welterweight, I know that they're not going to let me fight for however many months. Like, okay, well, that makes me think a little bit differently. Like maybe I need to move up a different weight Very class or something. It also can affect the promoter as well because they try to push Cyborg into a fight. Right. Sooner than she wanted several times, and, and then they were able to kind of try to vilify her. So that combined with larger, more weight classes are a really good idea. Jeffrey followed up with, uh, get rid of weight classes and let's just have everything catch weight. Nobody cares who the champ is. Just put together good fights people want to see at weight this they agree on. And you Fine know what? That too. Joe Rogan has been singing that tune. Uh, yeah. I forget whose show he was on uh, recently, and he's saying that after, in response to the Bisping GSP thing. Mm-hmm. You know, what are these... What's the point of the belts if yeah. this is how we're running things? But yeah, I'm fine with that um, too, Jeffrey. So uh, there's a couple more questions. Um, John Sailing, I want to say his name is, is asking. Let me find his question. Conor McGregor would get a nasty beating fighting Mayweather. I doubt it will happen. But what makes him think he can win? Uh, I think all fighters think they can win, and I think he knows he can make more money doing that than he can fighting for the UFC. And I think. That's what matters more. He he can make more money. He knows he's tough, and he'll probably come out alive. And so, why not make twenty times the money that you ordinarily make? I think that's. If I had to guess, and I don't know Conor McGregor, that's him. Him making money has a lot more to do with it than thinking he would beat Floyd Mayweather in a boxing match. I think he thinks he'll he'll be fine. <laughs> he'll survive, and he'll make a lot of money. Or he also thinks that. He's expected to lose, so it's a win-win situation for him. Either he yeah. loses and he gets paid a lot of money and nobody expected him to win, or he wins, he gets a lot of money and shocks the world. Yeah. Um, I responded to him in the comments uh, and said that he also started in boxing as a young kid, mm-hmm. so I imagine that's where his confidence comes from. He sure. believes he has that skill set. Sure. Um, from his early age, obviously he transitioned, so you know he's never really progressed. If it was, if boxing was a thing where you could get belts, like it's like he would have left after a couple belts, I imagine. But, yeah, he never. Yeah, exactly. He never focused on boxing for very long. Um, but also, always a puncher's chance. Sure. So Connor feels like if he can land that left hand, that's that's uh, what he wants. But I, dude, it's gonna be such a boring fight. Like Floyd's yeah. defensive. Connor is wants to draw you in and counter punch. You know, I mean. For those of you who did not like watching UFC 209, Tyron Woodley, Stephen Thompson, like this is going to be that. Yeah, It's just going to be two guys trying to draw the other in. It's so silly. Here's what fans really want to see. They want to see that in MMA. If we're going to do a freak show, let's do it in under 
fuller rules. Now that would be interesting. That wouldn't be boring. It would be one sided. Like and the it old wouldn't school, be like Floyd has the <laughs> the boxing glove on, but a free hand. He could go barefoot, like and like he could have shoes right? on because he couldn't kick. A hundred percent, exactly. I, I fight old MMA, school UFC. Fight MMA. Old old school is the best school, man. Uh, yeah, if they fought MMA, that's a, that's there's no chance it's boring. <laughs> there's no there's there's every chance it's one sided and ugly. There's no chance it's boring. And we're at two. Uh, we're at thirty past cool. the hour. So uh, Dave Doyle yeah, should be joining us soon. Elias is going to try and get him on the line. Um, in the meantime, I will continue to entertain the comments section. For those of you uh, listening on the podcast that is uploaded later, again, we do stream the show every Wednesday on the Sports Illustrated MMA Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash Sports Illustrated MMA. Uh, you can comment and interact with us during the show. Well, you can ask questions and we'll go over it um, as as they come in. Um, in the meantime, we're trying to get Dave Doyle on the line. Dave works for MMA Fighting. He writes for Yahoo Sports and uh, does you know a bunch of coverage. He's also an avid cycler, which I think yeah. is really cool. That that's something that when I was a kid, I always wanted to uh, to to Hello. do more of. Hey, Dave, it's Elias. You're here with me and uh, Mike. What's going on, guys? Not too much, man. We were we were just talking a little kind of McGregor, and then also just talking a little bit of cycling. And we we know as as friends of yours that you've been you've been hitting the trail a lot, man. Any good rides lately? Um, it just just starting to get back into it now because we actually it's as crazy as it's going to sound. We actually had a winter here in Los Angeles this year, <laughs> which we normally don't usually. It was actually like raining and things like that. So uh, uh, just starting to get caught up now, but I'm. Uh, Signed up to do a bike ride from uh, Boston to Cape Cod in uh, June, and hopefully, uh, you know, we'll actually uh, stop drinking beer long enough to get in shape for that. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That that'll be a, that'll be a good one for sure. I I wanted to dig in um, to kind of like a separate from the current, you know, fight things coming up and all that stuff. I, I for for those that may not know, and I'll I'll. I'll say it because Dave is probably too modest to say it. Dave, Dave Doyle, in addition to doing just being a great writer, everyone knows that, and great editor, he's also been single-handedly was one of the most influential people in getting mainstream coverage, media coverage of MMA. You, you, you came up in newspapers, then major digital uh, outlets as a as an editor, as a writer, um, and and I think I I think we met Dave back when you were doing uh, stuff for Fox Sports, which is long before they were broadcasting MMA and were like a, a content partner and stuff like that. And, and you were also, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, doing, stu- uh, doing stuff at different times for some of the big uh, wire agencies like AP long before they covered all the big MMA events. How big of a fight was it for you, Dave, as, as a, an established sports journalist to get editors uh, and producers to, to let you cover MMA when you started doing it? Well, it's, uh, I mean, there, there are a couple different things here. When I was working for FoxSports.com, that was actually the easy part because I was, um, I was working uh, on the desk at FoxSports.com around the time that, um, that, that, you know, UFC first really started to blow up. And, um, you know, like, like the kind of the night that all changed everything, I was the, the late shift guy working the night that um, Randy Couture and Chuck Liddell had their third fight, which at the time was like, far and away the biggest fight in UFC history because it had been pumped up so much on the first season of the ultimate fighter. And, um, you know, I just remember working that night and just thinking to myself, like, okay, there's, there's nothing, um, 
there's nothing like like why is there nothing on any of the <laughs> newspapers, the websites? Like you know, if, if there was like a boxing match, it was half as big. It would be it, it would be everywhere. And um, so I went to my my boss at the time, my managing editor, a guy named Tom Seeley, and was just like, "Hey, this is getting really really big, and, and no one's writing about it." And it turns out Tom himself had been a fan of the Ultimate Fighter. So when I pitched the idea of like, "Hey, wanna?" Let me write a little bit about MMA. He, he said, yeah, sure, go with it. You know, That's have a cool. blast. And, uh, you know, just kind of from there, it was um, uh, the, the, the my bosses liked the numbers that the MMA stuff was doing. And, and I have to kind of laugh because, um, you know, back then, one night I was working on the desk shift, desk shift, and it just kind of shows how much of change, things have changed. Like, I just decided I was working by myself. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to write a column and post it up on the site. And I'm pretty sure I won't get in trouble because they'll <laughs> like the numbers. And I went and I did it. And then that turned into like a weekly column. And it's funny because the business has changed so much now that if like some random desk guy decided to just post a column to a major website, he'd be like fired by the time it was posted. <laughs> so things have changed. But that's, that's kind of how easy it was back wow. then. On the other hand, yeah, you know, when, when the UFC started to become big, 2006, 2007, um, I spent more hours than, than I than I care to recall talking, you know, then not in public, but by email, by telephone, by just over and over to just people who just didn't get it about mixed martial arts. You know, I mean, I remember one time um, the AP ran a story. Uh, this is just, I'll leave you with one story that, that just <laughs> kind of shows how things were back then. Yeah. The AP did like a little newswire story on um, Hoist Gracie when he popped for steroids after his fight at the LA Coliseum. And there were like five different things that were wrong factually in like a three paragraph story. <laughs> so I, I called the AP office in New York just, to, you know, a friendly like, hey, here's a heads up. There's like this, this, this. And uh, the guy who picked up the phone basically like swore at me. Uh, more or less called me a geek for knowing this stuff and then slammed the phone down on me and never, uh, AP never corrected any of it. So that's where things were in 2006 and this is where we are in 2017. So yeah. <laughs> that's, that's incredible. Some, some real in your face anti-intellectualism there. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. The guy watching uh, the sport where people are fighting in a cage and being labeled barbaric is a nerd. Right, right, right. Oh, geez. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So we were we were talking before um, we called you, Dave. We were talking about some some moment stuff, favorite stuff, and specifically around Conor McGregor. And we might have a moment to ask if you got any Conor McGregor uh, fights or moments that, that are your favorites. But I wasn't asking you even take a, a step back. Of all the fights you've covered live, what's one or a couple that that just it, it could be a fight, it could be a moment in between a fight, or you know, not even something happening in the cage. But is there? What are some of your favorites, or what's a what's a, a moment that's really stood out um, to you and at, at an event that you were there live for? Man, there are a couple. Um, I will never ever forget at UFC sixty eight in Columbus. Yeah, um, when uh, Randy Couture against Tim Sylvia. Just that one moment where, because if you remember, like Randy was coming out of retirement and no one thought, everyone was like, well, he's old, he's in his mm-hmm. 40s, he doesn't have a chance. And um, the roar of the crowd when Randy comes right out and then takes a step back and goes forward and just drops him with that 
huge overhand right, and Sylvia just falls like a tree that's just being chopped, right? And uh, just that roar of the crowd, I can still hear that echoing in my head to this day pretty much. You know, I've never heard a response like that to anything in my life. And, um, you know, from there it was just uh, the half hour of the crowd just exhorting Randy to, you know, to, to, to get the job done. So that's one uh, that stuck with me a decade later. Um, chocolate elegance, Vanderlei Silva in Las mm-hmm. Vegas, just the atmosphere in the arena that night, because that was a fight that, you know, I mean, for fans who weren't around back then, imagine how long we've been teased. We were teased with Anderson Silva versus George St. Pierre. Mm-hmm. That was, uh, I mean, obviously these guys were in the same weight class, so it wasn't quite the same thing, but, I mean, that was the fight that was teased that was never delivered. And by the time they got to the cage, obviously they weren't in their primes the way they used to be, but there was still, that had been built for so long, that the energy in the arena, um, you know, when they finally got to the cage was, was just electrifying. That's awesome. I love that. I wasn't there for that one. I wasn't in Columbus. And, man, you're, you're right. That was a heck of a moment with – with Randy, they started. Correct me if I'm wrong. There was like a count on when it was, you know, because he was on top, and there was they a count on. Yeah, it was right? like New Year's Eve, yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> that was incredible. Those are really cool. When um, we'll jump towards some. We want to do a little roundtable action, real quick. We'll look at some upcoming fights. I know there's, it might be flying under the radar uh, for yeah. folks. It certainly was flying under my radar a little bit. I had to go bone up and do a little homework, but it's actually a, a, a pretty solid card on Fight Pass this weekend out in uh, in England. Uh, in the main event, there's uh, Jimmy Manuel taking on Corey Anderson, who's actually originally from around around this way near Chicago. He's out trains out in the uh, in the East Coast now. Um, I guess we'd just go around and, and see uh, you know who you know what you think of the fight if you've got a pick, um, and then we'll uh, we'll we'll go down. There's a couple other ones on that card as well. We'll, we'll start with with you, Dave. Jimmy Manuel, Corey Anderson, light heavyweight fight. Kind of an interesting style uh, contrast here. What are your thoughts on the fight, and, and do you have a, a quick pick? Uh, yeah, you know, Elias, it's, uh, it's funny. Um, uh, I, I think you pretty accurately uh, described the card here because <laughs> Ed, I think most people are just kind of quickly looking at uh, Jimmy Manuel versus Corey, Corey Anderson as a main event and just kind of going, uh, I don't know about this card, but if you actually take a step back, like, so say this fight was just you're looking at a fight lineup and this was just like a fight on the main card and not uh, the fight that's expected to kind of draw the, the crowd. Like, you'd look at this and go like, hey, this is actually a pretty good fight, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, as you said, um, it, it's an interesting style matchup. I think with Jimmy Manuel, we're looking at a guy who's kind of like a finished product by this point. You know, he's 37 and he's a knockout artist. And... Um, and uh, I don't think we're going to see anything, like, mm. new or flashy out of him. Mm. But then again, I mean, for someone who's kind of a one-trick pony, like, ask Golden St. Fru about his one trick, yeah. you know? So match him up against a, a kind of a, a guy, Corey Anderson, interesting personality, but been kind of mostly a grinder of a fighter. Um, uh, I, I think this is – I think it's – you know, this, this is more a statement on where Corey Anderson is right mm. now. Um uh, I think if he wins, he comes out of this with a, a, a decent amount of momentum, and God knows the UFC needs a light heavyweight, you know, with some momentum at this point. When push comes to shove, I don't know. I can't get see. I can't get the image of of, of um, Anderson getting tagged in that fight. He was winning against John Valente, hot in my head. So there's part of me that wants to pick like Manuel by by knockout, but I just think 
at the end of the day, Corey's too well rounded. So I, I think he's trying to grind out the decision win. Yeah, that's that's a really good analysis, Mike. What are you thinking, man? Well, I, I feel like Dave might have just changed my opinion. <laughs> you know, I, I I like the emotion side of things. So, like Jimmy Manwa, you know, London guy in front of his home crowd. I like I like to think that people, when they have those moments, they dig deep and they they find a way to win and the will to win in those situations is maybe a little bit higher. So I was leaning Jimmy Manwa first, but just because of home field advantage. Mm, that's interesting. I. Uh, yeah, you guys bring up some good points. I think Manoa is definitely a live, live dog if he is an underdog. But I agree with what Dave's saying that it's 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 kind. It if I had to put money down, it'd probably be foolhardy to to bet against uh, the younger, uh, maybe more well-rounded guy that can probably take the fight to the ground. So I'll pick Anderson uh, by uh, by decision. Uh, as well and uh, also just to get him back because I saw him complaining about this some interviews he was doing today uh, we should have gone to him we should have hit him up for an interview he, he was railing on some really bad interview questions he got so to make it up to him for us not interviewing him giving him an awesome questions I'll, I'll pick him as well so Corey Anderson two to one is the uh, extra rounds pick <laughs> that's right yeah that's that's <laughs> it that's it now we got uh, Alan Joban and a uh, Gunnar Nelson are fighting that's a really cool welterweight contender fight uh also like you know also a style uh, a style conscious i mean joban has great jiu-jitsu gutter nelson started in karate so he's got some cool and unorthodox striking but still gutter nelson is an amazing grappler alan joban is a really phenomenal muay thai striker and this has some real consequences i feel like you know we've had alan on the show uh, he's been dying to be recognized as a top 10 uh guy i think he's already there uh, but this is certainly a really big fight for for both guys. Um, Dave, do you got any sense of uh, who you're favoring in this one? Man, I, see, it, this is like such a toss up to me mm-hmm. that that's what makes it, um, it, it it's such an intriguing fight, you know, because it's um, it in Gunner's case. I, I almost feel like we're still watching like the Gunner Nelson rebuilding project mm-hmm. because he got just dressed down so badly by Demi and Maya in, in coming into that fight with so much hype. Uh, a couple years ago, and, um, you know, I mean, he rebounded nicely against Tumanoff, but um, I don't know why I'm not 100% sold on Gunner hmm. yet. I, I, I should be by now, but, in the, you know, in the case of Joban, um, you know, like you said, this is a guy who has uh, been, like, kind of craving the recognition, and he's um, a far tougher guy than he seems to get credit hmm. for, and he's... he's uh, very, very, very uh, nice striker. Um, uh, I don't know. I'm just I, I I'm I'm really really tossing up on this one. But uh, if you're asking me to, if you're asking me to, you know, if I have to pick one, I'd go with Nelson just because mm. he's kind of got the home home court advantage here. Yeah, yeah. No, it is a super but, tough one. But the fact that I hedged on this so much without <laughs> giving you an answer tells you how much of a pick of a fight this is. Yeah, I agree with you. I really thought you were going to go Allen. G- I thought you were going to go that way, the way you were selling it, and that's the way I was going. I, I thought we were going to agree on this, but I, I, you know, Alan's just—he's on like a tear right now. Um, you know, he's so motivated. The Perry fight, he looked dominant. Uh, so I'm going with Alan Japan. Hmm. It's it's hard for me to <clears throat> pick against uh, such a good grappler as Gunnar Nelson, um, especially you know, like you said, he was able to beat Tumanev, who, who was able to beat Joban and MMA math doesn't work out it's all about individual matchups um but I think if Allen can keep it on the feet 
I think he can he can do really well in this fight. And I'll uh, his wrestling his offensive wrestling has really improved. Uh, I'll go ahead and assume his defensive wrestling. Uh, working over at Black House has improved a lot as well. So I'll go ahead. I don't know if he's an underdog or not, but I'll go ahead and pick Joe Ban as well. Although, man, I, I like it's just I like Allen a lot, and I've been very impressed with him. Um, but I, I think it's I think no I think anyone would be lying if they say they know for certain they're going to win, including either one of those guys. <laughs> That's a tough one. If we're going right. if we're going on odds according to Odd Shark, uh, Gunner is the favorite with okay. it. Around it looks like. 300 minus money line which is a pretty big is it yeah favorite interesting yeah i don't i'm not good with odds but i could see them i could see him being the favorite for sure we've got i thought brad pickett was doing a retirement fight along with uriah favor but it turns out he's doing his real retirement fight this weekend uh against uh marlon vera uh, i i know um pickett's corners um they're just heading out today i i can't i know he's i've been seeing some of the interviews he's been doing he's he's amped up he he certainly lost like fair and square to Uriah Faber, but he ended that fight strong. He's got a lot of fight in him. Do you think, Dave, that he's he's got a chance of uh, going out against a younger guy and, and writing kind of a storybook ending for himself? I do. Um, you know, I actually think the fact that he had to go through that Uriah Faber fight week. Um, I was there in Sacramento. Mm. That was unlike uh, any any. Um, kind of send off for a fighter I've ever seen. Mm. So I think that having been on the, the flip side of that, um, you know, being the guy who was just there to uh, be someone else's retirement fighter mm. uh, opponent, um, in a weird way, I think that's going to help him prepare for this mentally. He, he knows what to expect just from having observed what Faber's been through. Um, you know, and uh, I don't know. I, I You know, this part of it, I feel like I'm just going to pick Ticket out of uh, for a purely sentimental reason <laughs> because he's a really good dude. He's uh, you know if, if 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 you're listening to this and you're someone who's just gotten into MMA recently and you just know Brad Pickett as this guy who keeps losing fights, like go on a fight pass and look up WEC 48 mm. and watch his win over Demetrius Johnson and you'll see the guy he was in his prime. Um, and I, I'm also not going to lie, I don't know a whole hell of a lot about Vera. Sure. Just, I mean, he's just been kind of a faceless guy on the uh, 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 on the undercards. Um, kudos to him for stepping up and taking a fight, and this is a chance for him to make a name himself when people are paying attention. Um, so, yeah, uh, the you know, the head says uh, Pickett should probably lose, but I'm not. Uh, I, I like the guy too much, and I'm just going to blatantly take him uh, based <laughs> on that. Uh, that's, that's valid in my book. What do you think, Mike? Uh, Brad Pickett, yeah, yeah, the story, the swan song, young kind of unproven guy. You know, everything seems lined up. I don't want to say that Vera's being fed sure. to Brad Pickett, certainly but not. I think it was a favorable matchup. So it's certainly a winnable one. Um, yeah, I got nothing against Vera either, and he could prove us all wrong. But I'll go ahead and pick uh, Brad Pickett as well. Um, you know, to show, I guess, for no other reason but to show a little bit bias. Uh, you know, uh, one day I hope. Vera has as long and successful career as he does, and he gets a great um, send-off fight and wins that one. But but for now, I'll go ahead and pick uh, pick it, and I think he certainly can do it. He can he can connect with one punch and make uh, make the fight uh, make the fight end right there. We'll 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 uh, we'll switch over to we've got this rematch coming up. What is it? April eighth, guys. Uh, Daniel Cormier, um, Anthony Rumble Johnson. Uh, the first fight was uh, was pretty remarkable and that Daniel Cormier was able to nearly get killed by uh, Anthony Johnson but still come back 
and, and win. Anthony Johnson hurts people when he touches them. He, you know, Daniel Cormier seems intent that he broke uh, Anthony Johnson mentally, made him want a way out, and that he can do it again. Anthony Johnson certainly seems confident that he'll he can touch Cormier again and that uh, he's improved. Um, it's it's a really tough fight for me to call for for some for some specific reasons. Dave, what do you think of the of the matchup? Do you think Johnson uh, is this is his time and he's pretty much going to move in? To the um, to the driver's seat here in this division, or you think DC can 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 take him again? Um, you know, first of all, I don't think. I mean, we saw the way that Rumble has rebounded since the loss to uh, Daniel Cormier, and he certainly does not look like a fighter who's been broken. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I don't know, man. Um, you know, Cormier. There's also you have to at some point factor into the fact that. Uh, you know, the only fight that Cormier has had in the past year and a half was fighting Sola on, like, 48 hours notice. So, between that and his injuries, I don't know that we're going to see uh, the, the freshest, you know, the sharpest Daniel Cormier yeah. we've ever seen. Um, at the end of the day, at the same time, I don't know, like, I feel like Cormier doesn't quite get uh, as much respect as he should for what he's accomplished mm. in this sport. You know, I mean, the only guy he's ever lost was John Jones. There's no shame in that. And he absolutely cleaned out at heavyweight, went down a light heavyweight out of respect to Kane, and it's pretty much other than John Jones' clean house there. Yeah. So at the end of the day, that's a long-winded way of saying that um, as much as I know that, that if if Rumble tags him, it could very well be lights out. I'm I'm not going to pick. I'm not going to pick against Daniel Cormier against anyone except for John Jones until someone else proves mm. otherwise. Mm. I like that. What do you think, Mike? Daniel Cormier, yeah. uh, you know, has only lost to John Jones. I think he looked. I mean, he got tagged. I think the one good time against uh, by Anthony Johnson in their first fight, and I I think he was pretty controlling the rest of the fight. So um, he's got a game plan. He's uh, hasn't fought much over the past year or so. So you know, he's rested or should be at least rested. So I I got Cormier. Yeah, I I agree. I'll pick Cormier. I think Anthony Johnson should probably be considered the favorite in any matchup in the division at this point because he can change the complexion and the direction of a fight faster um, than anyone else and more seismically. That said, you guys bring up really good points. I'm not ready to bet against Daniel Cormier. Um, He's given me no reason to bet against him. I think at some point we will eventually realize – He's old and injured. He'll get old, and his injuries will be too much to to overcome. We'll never know when that happens uh, until it happens, and hopefully, you know, he, he would walk away before it's noticeable. But uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think he's the better all around fighter. I think he has several ways in which he can win. Uh, I, he maybe doesn't have the power of Anthony Johnson with single shots, uh, single punches, or kicks. Who does? But I think he's he's a really great all around striker. Um, and yeah, I'd, I'd I'd love to personally, I'd love to see it. Uh, happen again. He he doesn't get the credit he deserves uh, as an athlete, as a fighter, and even just as an ambassador of of the sport. So yeah, that would uh, I'll, I'll go with uh, DC as well. Uh, and at which point he's kind of running out of uh, out of opponents, which would be an interesting thing to see what he would do at that point. Wait for John Jones or right off into the sunset or something like that. But yeah, I'm with it. We got we got three zero for for Cormier. See if AJ uh, proves us wrong. But uh, Dave, we will. We've kept you on for a lot, man. I think uh, I think we'll let you go. But before we do, we wanna we wanna ask you to please let fans know where they can follow you and 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 find your stuff. If they're one of the two or three people that isn't already regularly following your writing. 
Uh, I, I, my, my main gig is at MMAfighting.com. I uh, also write for Yahoo Sports. Uh, my Twitter, both my Twitter handle and my professional Facebook page are Dave Doyle MMA, D-A-V-E-D-O-Y-L-E-M-M-A. So give me a follow or a like or whatever the kids are doing these days. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have a MySpace to promote? <laughs> I have one. <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. That's, no. how, that's how behind I am to what the kids like. Well, Dave Doyle, thanks so much. <laughs> thanks so much for being on with us, man. We got to have you on again. It was it was a real a treat getting to chat with you, brother. Anytime, guys. Thank you. Take care. There we go, Dave Doyle joining the show. Uh, so so nice to have him on. Great, Absolutely. Uh, great guy. Um, love what he's doing on MMA fighting, and it's been interesting. You know, I follow him for uh, the MMA side of things as well, but also. Uh, his cycling, it was, you know, I was kind of talking about this before, but it's something that uh, was a big hobby of mine uh, when I was a kid, and it's something that I've kind of gotten away from living in Texas. That's not really the uh, most, con- well, at least the part of Texas I was in, not most conducive. The terrain's very flat and it's really hot. Gotcha. Um, but it, it's been interesting to follow him and see all the cool trips he's gone on. He talked about the Boston Cape Cod one. I know he's done. He he did one in Canada. Just, I mean, really, really cool and he's inspiring. Killing it, man. He yeah. really is inspiring. He's he's. You know, just, uh, yeah, like you said, we've seen it on the per- kind of his personal pages. He's just been killing it, putting in thousands of miles. It's pretty awesome. And meanwhile, I've quit riding my bike to work. <laughs> That's, you did we're the going rever- opposite directions. It's the reverse oil. Yeah. We'll call that the re- you know, we got to balance the universe <laughs> out. He's picking it up. I'm, i got to let some a little bit slack. Well, anyways, that wraps up another show. We have a, another guest lined up next week. Do you want to tease that? Sure. Uh, like tease it with mystery, or tease it with explicitly with. Who I'll it leave is. that up to you. I trust you. <laughs> All right, I'll I'll be mysterious for now, right? But on the way to the studio today, I was chatting with a, a good friend of the show's who is yet to be on. Uh, he's a phenomenal analyst. Um, he is also a fighter. He's not fighting now. He's retired, but uh, he knows what he's talking about. He's one of the most entertaining guys. He's one of the most earnest guys out there, and he is one of the best analytical minds in the sport as well. Uh, he's got his own podcast, which you need to be checking out, even though I'm not telling you who he is yet. But you probably already are listening. Next week, we'll ask him more about it and all the cool stuff he's doing. And we'll also look in-depth at uh, DC and Rumble again because I know he's going to have a lot of specific nuances that he wants the fans to be thinking about. You guys probably already know and love him. We'll let you know in a couple days who it's going to be. But for now, just get excited. It's going to be a great time. And thank you for everyone who tuned in to watch on the Sports Illustrated MMA Facebook page. Again, that's every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central. We're streaming live right here. You can interact with us in real time by commenting uh, on the Facebook Live. You can ask us questions. We'll try to answer them on air like we did today. Um, Otherwise, you can find us in iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher. Just please, if you could do us a favor, go on, subscribe to the podcast, and review it if you would. We really appreciate it. Um, Thank you, everyone, and we'll see you next week.